are listening to a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. Now let me just begin by saying that this gospel reading for tonight includes some troubling textures. Jesus and his disciples have gone to the district of Tyre and Sidon, which is well north of predominantly Jewish territory. The heat is rising for him amongst some of the Jewish leaders. The demands on his time and on his gifts are very high. This journey north may have been for a time of respite, But it is important just to note that they are now very much in Gentile territory. And it's there that Jesus is approached by a Canaanite woman, a Gentile, who begs for mercy, requesting healing for her daughter. She calls him Lord and Son of David, which means she has at least some familiarity with Jewish thought and with Jesus' growing reputation as a source of life and of healing. His answer to her? Nothing. He did not answer her at all. Not at all. But his disciples asked him to send her away because her pleas for help are getting loud and troublesome. They aren't seeing her as a particularly worthy or human figure. And Jesus answered the disciples, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He doesn't even say that to the distraught Gentile woman. It's just spoken to the disciples. But she's persistent. She kneels before him and begs for help. And his answer to her plea for help should strike us as being particularly difficult. It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Dogs. Now that was a typical Jewish slur for Gentiles, specifically for Canaanites. Such words from the mouth of Jesus. It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. She comes right back at him with the sort of desperate confidence that might be wielded by a mother worried sick about the health of her child. Yes, Lord, she says. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Woman, great is your faith, he says. Let it be done for you as you wish. And right away, the daughter is set free from her affliction. Now at this point, we might all heave a great sigh of relief. Ah, you see, Jesus didn't turn her away. She came through. The child is healed, the woman is vindicated for her stubborn persistence, the word of the Lord, alleluia. But what was that all about? His silence, 
his dismissive comments about only coming to the lost sheep of Israel, his harsh words comparing her and her child to dogs. After all, it was seven chapters earlier in Matthew's telling that a centurion, a a, a consummate Gentile, a Roman, had come to Jesus and told him, I have a servant at home. He's very sick, lying paralyzed, perhaps dying, losing hope. Jesus' response to the centurion, I will come and cure him. Just like that, he's ready to go. Go to the home of a centurion to take care of his servant. This is for a centurion, of all people, a centurion. Someone in the military employ of the occupying Roman Empire. If anyone was ever to be turned away, it would have been such a one as that. Yet Jesus is quite prepared to go with him. And when the centurion says, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant will be healed, Jesus is so very struck by the man's confidence, his faith, that he pronounces healing right then and there. So what in heaven's name is the difference between this Canaanite woman and that Roman centurion? As one looks at various commentaries on this story, some of them at least seem quite content with the sigh of relief. Ah, see, it all worked out, he came through. While others lean in one of two directions. The first direction is to say that Jesus is engaging this conversation in a a, a playful, almost ironic way, intending to draw the woman out and have her demonstrate what stubborn faith looks like when it's pushed against the wall. In that interpretation, Jesus is not interested in denying her request, but rather in raising it to a level that he could praise her for right there in front of his disciples. That, though, strikes me as a bit of a dodge, an attempt to make sure that Jesus will never disappoint. I think that's a thin option. So I'd lean toward the second perspective, which actually takes this scene at its word. The woman comes for help, and Jesus is, quite frankly, indifferent. Whatever had led him to respond to the request of that centurion seven chapters earlier has now taken a back seat to his strong sense that he is present for the sake of Israel. That's his primary mission in life. And he's tired and well aware of the building opposition amongst the Pharisees and other Jewish community members who are finding him difficult and challenging and perhaps even heretical at least within their frame of understanding. He has steeled his nerve against all that is to come. And there in the district of Tyre and Sidon, he just needs some rest before the storm begins. And then this woman comes, asking for help for her child. His silence is striking, but she persists. She begs for help, and he comes back and calls her a dog. No, no, no help for you, a Gentile, when the sons and daughters of Israel have such need. 
But she comes back with that line about even the dogs being welcome to to lick up the crumbs dropped from the table, and it stops him short, absolutely and utterly short. Here, Richard Ward comments, This Canaanite woman has named Jesus as Lord and Son of David. But when she declares her utter dependence on God's grace, Jesus' tradition-shaped heart, his heart that is, is very much directed towards the Jewish community, at least in the life that he was living then at that moment, his tradition-shaped heart breaks open. Woman, great is your faith. He is, in fact, moved emotionally moved, but also moved forward beyond the confines of that day, that rather focused sense of his own mission. And N.T. Wright, in his commentary on Matthew, comments, the woman's faith broke through the waiting period, the time in which Jesus would come to Jerusalem as Israel's Messiah, be killed and raised again, and then send his followers out into the world. The disciples, and perhaps Jesus himself, are not yet ready for Calvary. This foreign woman is already insistent upon Easter. Already insistent upon Easter, which is really quite a statement. The Canaanite woman with her sick daughter and stubborn insistence that she can be helped, her daughter can be healed by Jesus, is pushing toward the other side of the passion and death into the terrain of Easter and Pentecost, when the church will find itself opening its whole life, its whole vision to all, whether Jew or Gentile. Which means that in reading the text in this way, which many a credible biblical scholar has done and many a preacher has preached, we are saying that the human Jesus could learn and grow along the way. We are saying that the very human Jesus could get tired and impatient And if you ever doubt that he can get impatient, read the gospel according to Mark. And that while very much the true son of God, he was yet fully human as well as fully divine. Do you suppose any human person, fully human person, was above learning and growing? Do you suppose a fully human person couldn't be surprised by the persistence and love of a mother agonizing over her sick child? Do you suppose a fully human person couldn't stop, look again, and think a little differently about their own assumptions in the moment? And don't you think that the fully divine Jesus was able to acknowledge a mistake and embed a whole new way of thinking and being into the very heart of his life? I believe that Canaanite woman with her passion for her sick child met the living God embodied in Jesus. 
that she opened his heart to the truth that his followers would all hold on the other side of Easter, on the other side of Ascension, on the other side of Pentecost. There was room for her and that child. Her passion may have been for her daughter, but that passion for the child also opened the human Jesus to a passion for the whole of humanity, Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave and free, as St. Paul phrases it. And I believe that as Jesus looked at her and said, Woman, how great is your faith! His smile was one of the grandest. His eyes sparkled with life, and his face filled with delight. We'll never know that woman's name. None of the Gospelers wrote it down. But I believe that Christ knows it, and that God in Christ knows her fully now and forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For information on our church and to access the full catalog of our podcasts going all the way back to 2006, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca. In addition, if you are interested in supporting our online work, you can find information on the website using the Donate button located on the top right-hand corner. Thanks for listening.